Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The FT. Hello, and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Shona Jenkins. On the show this week, we'll be taking a look at Turkey and its fight against ISIS. Joining me on the line is the FT's European diplomatic correspondent, Alex Barker. And here in the studio with me is Daniel Dombey, our former Istanbul correspondent. Dan, I'll turn to you first. The bombing of a group of activists in southeastern Turkey last week prompted a change in Istanbul's stance in its fight against ISIS, or at least a renewed push. How has this affected its battle against the group? What we've seen in Turkey in the last few days is actually the culmination of a trend that's really been going on for several months, certainly since the turn of the year. Turkey has had real reservations about taking the fight to ISIS until now. And for a number of reasons, one of them is that, as many Turks say, they are the country that is most exposed to ISIS. They are the NATO state that has a border with ISIS. If you take on ISIS, you are more liable to be hit back at than almost any other country. Another is that ISIS enemies, in many ways, are Turkey's enemies. Bashar al-Assad in Syria to a certain extent, but very definitely Kurds in Syria, that Turkey doesn't really want to see establish a quasi-state of their own. So for many reasons, Turkey has been reticent about taking on ISIS. That, however, really wasn't a tenable position. We've seen President Recep Tayyip Erdogan say in the past that he saw these other groups, Assad and the Kurds, as at least as bad as ISIS. But the pressure from the US, the pressure from Turkey's other partners, and increasingly its own sense of national security and domestic safety and national self-interest have pointed in a different direction. So this year, really, we've seen step by step Turkey do more against ISIS. We've seen more arrests of ISIS-related people. We've seen more interdictions at the border. That all obviously accelerated after the awful tragedy of last week, after the death of 32 Turkish citizens unequivocally at the hand of ISIS, no state could just sit back and be passive. So we've seen Turkey do various things. We've seen them open up the base at Injilik and one other base. So the US is finally able to carry out bombing missions from nearby in Turkey rather than flying from the Gulf against ISIS. We've seen renewed efforts at the border. We've seen sweeps and arrests of people. However, we still have questions. First of all, how committed is Turkey to this fight, given the doubts I just talked about and the risk of backlash? Is it more focused on the Kurds, really, than on ISIS? And finally, how much of a difference is this really going to be making in terms of a military campaign against ISIS in Syria and Iraq? And also, and this is the particular concern of European governments, to the flow of foreign fighters to and fro those ISIS-held areas in Syria and Iraq. We don't know the answer to these questions, but these are really pressing questions right now. 
Can I just pick up on one issue you mentioned there, which is the battle against the Kurds? There have been some strikes by Turkish aircraft on ISIS, but there have been many more on the Kurdish Workers' Party, which is a group that Turkey has been battling against for decades. And many people or many analysts have said that this may well be the real battle that Turkey is trying to wage, that their focus on ISIS is weaker than their focus on battling Kurdish adversaries. Is this, do you think, fair or true? And if so, what does this mean for peace in Turkey? I'd like to begin by just giving a sense of the scope and importance of this issue. It may seem obscure, but 40,000 people have died over three decades in this battle between the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, and Turkey. It is beyond any doubt Turkey's biggest domestic issue. There had been a peace process, there had been a ceasefire in place for about two and a half years. That now is unequivocally broken. As you said, there have been dozens of sorties against the PKK in recent days, compared to only a handful of sorties against ISIS. There is a real question about whether this is going to see a full explosion of this terrible conflict once again. Many people are betting that it won't, that it's neither in the Turkish government nor the PKK interest long term for the conflict to flare up with all the ruinous results that we've seen. But we are in very definitely dangerous territory here. Turkey clearly has seen the uh, events of the recent days as somewhere between the justification and an excuse for a full-pronged attack against what they see as terrorism, and Turkey is a country that's notorious for having a very broad brush definition of terrorism. So to give an example, of a thousand or so people who have been detained since the Suruç bombing, only about 20% have been ISIS-related. The others have been other people designated as terrorists. Although many people still hope that something can be salvaged out of a dialogue with the Kurds, we are now entering a perilous phase I think we can come back to that. First of all, I'd like to turn to you, Alex. NATO ambassadors met in Brussels this week. And while they threw their weight behind Turkey, encouraged by the fact that it has stepped up its fight against ISIS, did you get a sense that there was any unease about the fact that they had also used this, perhaps we could say, as an excuse to hit their longstanding Kurdish enemy? We have to remember these kind of requests for a special meeting, for a special consultation at NATO are quite rare. And in this situation where Turkey had faced attacks both from ISIS supporters and from the PKK, it was clear that when they took this to NATO, there was going to be a public show of solidarity and support. And they found that in a statement that pledged to uh, join forces in the fight against terrorism. But in that discussion, behind the scenes, in private, it was clear there was a European consensus over urging Turkey to show proportionality in its attacks on the PKK in particular, and also, if possible, to do everything to avoid the peace process from collapsing entirely and at least trying to keep the door open to talks restarting in the future. And given the circumstances when Turkey had faced these terror attacks... Criticism like that it was softly said, but carries a bit more um, weight. Dan, back to you. You talked about the risk of this policy. Why do you think that the Turkish government is willing to risk so much at this particular moment? We're in an extraordinary situation right now in Turkey. We have had a very large-scale murder by ISIS. We've had growing tensions with the PKK. 
any government would respond to those. But we are also in an extremely strange state of flux within Turkey itself. The ruling party failed to get a majority in elections in June. The president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, probably has his eye on new elections because if a coalition government is formed, he could well be pushed out of the picture. So things are politically fraught and diplomatically fraught right now. One of the possible consequences of a heightened confrontation now that we're seeing is that the Kurdish party, whose relative success in the June election deprived Mr Erdogan of a majority he sought, could well be suffering as a result of these events of the last few days. Just to give an example, a prosecutor in Turkey has opened up an investigation into this party. Nationalist politicians in Turkey are calling for it to be shut down. Mr Erdogan himself has suggested that its MPs should be stripped of their immunity from prosecution. If there is a revote in November, it's perfectly possible that this party will find it very difficult to sustain the support that keeps Mr Erdogan's own forces from getting a majority. I'm not saying that's a rationale for his actions, but it's very clearly an important political consideration, an important political calculation that people are considering. That's why things are so explosive right now. You have a very, very high-stakes domestic political game. You have a very, very important diplomatic and regional game where forces are really contending for power. And two of the forces that have advanced in the last 18 months have been ISIS and the Kurds in Syria and Iraq. And at the same time, you have a fraught battle against terrorism. We've already seen attacks mounted by the PKK in the last week or so that have claimed the lives of three policemen and two soldiers, and everyone is bracing themselves against further attempts by ISIS. It is a high-stakes game, however you look at it. Alex, if I can turn to you now. The US has allied itself with Kurdish fighters in Syria who have proved themselves to be the most effective force pushing back against ISIS. The attacks by Turkey on their Kurdish enemies has put the US in a very awkward position. Can you comment on that? I just want to start by looking at Injilik, which has really been a bellwether for Turkish-American relations for decades. When Turkey and America fell out over Turkey's invasion of Cyprus, the pawn was the use of Injilik Air Base. When Turkey and America were at odds over the invasion of Iraq in 2003, the Turks withdrew permission to use Injilik and forced the Americans to completely rewrite their war plans for Iraq. And here we've seen Injilik finally put back onto the front lines of an offensive campaign for the first time in decades. And that agreement, in as much, had to overcome a lot of Turkish reservations and address some priorities. Now, how it has done that and the detail of that is still somewhat unclear and is unfolding. But the outlines of what has been agreed appear to be that the U.S., will refrain from strong support for the Kurdish Syrian fighters who have been very effective against ISIS. And the Turks and the Americans will launch airstrikes to clear a, an ISIS-free area 
And that vacuum, if the airstrikes are effective in driving out ISIS, would be filled with more pro-Turkish, Sunni, moderate rebels. Who exactly they are, we're yet to know. Now, this carries a number of risks. A, whether it can be done. B, what the response of the allies of the Americans will be, the Kurdish-Syrian fighters, how they would feel about Turkey's much closer engagement and an attempt to control that border area and really create a kind of a buffer zone that not only pushes out ISIS but also in effect blocks the efforts of Kurdish fighters to create a continuous belt of Kurdish control on the other side of the Turkish border. And they fear that the main Turkish priority is actually the suppression of Kurdish nationalism and how the greater Turkish engagement in that effort on the other side of that border, how that plays into the Syria conflict is very much an open question. Thank you, Alex. I think we're going to have to end it here but I think we'll be discussing it again in the near future, I suspect. My thanks go to Alex Barker in Brussels and Daniel Dombey here in the studio in London. Until next week, goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might like our new show, FT Investigations, Exposés and In-Depth Analysis by our worldwide network of reporters. You can download it at ft.com slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.